real hog. <laughs> Pit by Silver Sun Pickups, a band I got into big time uh, in college. That's off of their 2012 album, <clears throat> Neck of the Woods. This is Mike Jackman, Jackman Radio, coming to you on a glorious Sunday afternoon from Jaffrey, New Hampshire. Beautiful spring day. Eric, how you doing? Great, man. Awesome weekend. Started a kick-ass uh, Beatles tribute band last night, Studio 2. A couple of those boys are from uh, Milford, New Hampshire, and they just really brought it last night. Um, that was a lot of fun, enjoying the weather, and very happy to be back with you guys. And as always, joining us, Mr. Aaron LaFond. Good day, Aaron. Yes, sir. Beautiful days, happy times, happy times indeed. Tonight's episode, we're going to air part two of my sit-down interview with Tyrell Ventura from Washington, D.C., where we get into a little bit more about Mickey Rourke, a little bit about the episode of Conspiracy Theory, where they interviewed Lee Harvey Oswald's widow, Marina, as well as other topics that uh, Tyrell's been into for a number of years. That's epic. Yeah, it was a good time. Good interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, no, I was uh, glad you snagged that. It's a little bit of news. Uh, Everyone and their mother, but not us, watched the Mayweather-Pacquiao farce of a fight last (laughs) night. Um, I heard it was just a joke. I heard um, a lot of boxing fans are pretty disappointed by it. Because there was a lot of hype. Yeah, a lot of hype and a lot of money put into it. You know, why, why don't we, uh, you know, put that money into, like, you know, researching diseases and then get people together in a ring and watch scientists try and solve diseases and get all amped up about it and have people pay 100 bucks a pop to watch it. And watch them germinate seeds. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, play around with schematics and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then their their cultures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and he's swabbing the Ebola virus. (laughs) Various Petri dishes for everyone to see. Oh, and no one could have seen that. He brings out a little vat of anthrax. I think something we can study from boxing is uh, brain disease. Well, Uh, yeah. Certainly brain injury. Yeah, not not, not only with the people in the ring, but the people who pay $100 a pop to watch that bullshit. (laughs) I I heard that they they split the proceeds 60-40 with 60% going to Mayweather. Does that... Does that sound about right? Because this uh, fight goes back, I think, five years, and they couldn't agree on terms for a while. I have no idea. And so it was really hyped up and, um, you know, culminated last night in a kind of a, a less than enthusiastic reception from yeah. the millions of people who tuned in and paid, what, 60 bucks a pop to watch no, this more thing? More than that. Almost like 100, I thought. Wow. On pay-per-view. Wow. I, I would just go back and watch a Mike Tyson fight, you know? Dude, just watch the fucking news in, in uh, Baltimore. You know, you want to watch violence? Mm. You know, just watch what our cops are doing to the people. Right, that has a real impact on yeah, society. Yeah, really, real violence. And uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to shit on that. I also wanted to shit on the Kentucky Derby. I mean, how, how fucking stupid is that? A stupid horse race. All these pretentious assholes get together and wear these ugly, goofy hats and, you know, celebrate how wealthy they are. And, hey, we're here watching horses, you know. I, I'd like to see all those people be put in a pit and, like, have to fight to the death. 
and then um, whoever you know, loses the ones who are injured are euthanized in a public manner. You right, know? they're torn. They're turned into horse glue. Yeah, exactly. Like the wealthy heiress has become wealthy heiress glue. Yeah, and it's exactly. expensive because there's a market for that. It's just like, a bunch of snobs, you know, just a bunch of people I would never hang out with. What do you, What are you more incensed about, the the hats or the actual treatment of the animal? <laughs> the oh, hats, yeah. Man, the hats are enraged. That's going to be a neck and neck race right there. <laughs> yeah, God, those hats, you know. Take why your hat do, why and shove it up your ass. Why do they wear those? I don't know. The royals wear them, too. You know, the queen and all those people. Yeah. It's tradition. Right? Yeah. Huh. Tradition. Isn't there a new princess that just came into the world? Mm. We still have people who believe in kings and queens and princes and princesses. Wow, really? Oh, uh, Baldy there. Uh, Prince, uh, what's his name? Harry? Right? No, no Harry's the... The younger Harry's one. the handsome one. Ch- uh, William. William. Prince yeah, William. yeah, He's got yeah. the horse chops and he's bald. Yeah. He just had another little run, huh? That's great. So yeah, we're not so, going to spend too much so, time yeah, talking about so, that. Uh, fuck the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight and fuck the Kentucky Derby. Um, and, and more interesting news, Bernie Sanders jumped in the 2016 race. I'm excited about that. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I really liked how his, his entry into the race wasn't a big formal thing or uh, a very slick production. He just kind of showed up in front of the Capitol, which is being worked on, so it's under construction. So that was kind of a um, interesting you know, way to present that and just went out there and did his thing where he chastised uh, the, billion, the billionaire class who's going to pump in hundreds of millions of dollars into this election. They're not going to give any of the money to me. So we're going to have Ben and Jerry fundraisers, and we're going to have the people each give me a dollar. And uh, they're, they're gonna, you know, they're, I'm going to be their lobbyist. So right. I, I think Bernie's legit. I think he's, <clears throat> if you look back at his track record, oftentimes being the only independent voice on a lot of issues in Congress. Well, yeah, I was talking to Dad about this last night. Um, he's kind of like the Ron Paul, but on the ultra-left liberal side of things. He's never wavered. He's never changed his voice um, to match the times or to match focus groups or polls or what the media is saying, and I respect him for that. I don't agree with everything um, on Bernie's platform, but I, I certainly applaud um, during his time in Congress leading up to the Iraq War, voting no on that, voting no on the Patriot Act, um, you know, siding with majority of Americans and wanting to legalize marijuana. You know, these are all awesome things. And then not only that, income you know, inequality in the United States and the bailing out of Wall Street and the, the lowering of the middle class, he's going to bring all that to the debates against Hillary, and that someone had to do that. I think he channels the anger very well. He does. In his presentation. I think there's a lot of passion behind it, and that really kind of shines through when you see him speaking. Yeah, it does. He just seems like a legit, you know, no bullshit kind of guy, you know, from, from New York. I'm not actually from Vermont, okay? I was, uh, you know, I, I used to operate a bagel stand in New York, and uh, now I operate a uh, ice cream dispensary up in Vermont. <laughs> dispensary. <laughs> so we're going to be watching Bernie as he flanks Hillary from the left. And speaking of dispensaries, um, I just read off WMUR, uh, the New Hampshire Medical Marijuana, which was voted on, I think, in 2012. So you're looking at like three years. Yeah, this has been it going passed, on. right? It passed, and there's 14 nonprofit entities vying to open what are called ATCs or Alternative Treatment Centers. So I guess this process is just a real pain in the ass. You know, bureaucracy, regulations, fees, taxes registering what you're going to do, how much you're going to sell. You know, it's, oh, it's just so much, just a lot of headaches for well, someone trying to trying to get this off the ground. Well, because there's no infrastructure yet for it. So right. this is the beginning of the I know, infrastructure it's, it's the first, in it's the, the state. Be, the beginning of it, and they don't think it's going to happen until after 2016. So, you know, in New Hampshire, yeah, okay, so the law's on the book, but you, let's say you do get caught. You get a citation or a ticket, or how does that work? Can you still be arrested? And Yeah, and, yeah. Um, well, marijuana, um, medical is different. Medical is different than just uh, being caught with like a baggie and you don't have a medical card or you're just someone carrying pot on you and you get pulled over. Yeah, you could, uh, you probably will most likely be arrested and um, issued a fine. You probably won't see any time your first time. It also depends how much you have on you, too. Right. But uh, I don't know. It's just stupid. They just streamline the fucking process and open up these dispensaries and get the ball rolling. Because uh, hopefully that'll lead to all-out legalization within the next, you know, a few years, and that'll be a whole another industry we can bring to New Hampshire, create more jobs. They can build up revenue. What do you think, Aaron? They can point to Colorado, right? Colorado, Colorado yeah, success, Aaron. Yeah, it's going well, I, I hear. <clears throat> yeah. I don't, I've never, I haven't been there, but yeah. Yeah, I was there before they passed it, but I, it was always kind of known that everyone burns it in Colorado, and I don't know, pretty cool place out there. But uh, we will be keeping our eyes. <clears throat> On the medical marijuana here in Mass, or I'm sorry, here in New Hampshire, 
in uh, Massachusetts, uh, I think in 2016, they're going to have a ballot initiative for all that legalization. Referendum. So they also have kind of been dragging their feet a little bit too with medical. You can get a card. My buddy has a medical card. Um, and everything you pay the two or three hundred dollars, you sit with a doctor for a few minutes, and then you know if you got the cash, you got the you get the comp, you can get the goods. Yeah, but there's there's no dispensaries to buy from, so that's the conundrum that medical marijuana patients in Massachusetts are facing. We have the card, we can carry the green, but uh, we have nowhere legally to buy it. So interesting. You know, twenty two or twenty three states have it on the but the dominoes are falling. Floodgates are opening. Floodgates are opening. Another piece of twenty sixteen. Presidential news uh, from the Jackman Radio Front. Eric, you went to a house party the other night, I believe, in Ringe, New Hampshire, the next town over, and met with uh, a prospective uh, GOP presidential candidate. You want to yeah, tell us I about met that? With, um, former, like, she's most well known for being the um, CEO of HP, Hewlett Packard, um, which she was for like five, four or five years, I believe. And then she was. She also ran against Barbara Boxer for U.S. Senate out in California. In 2010. And what's um, her name? Her name is Carly Fiorina. And uh, she lost that election. Um, and has kind of, you know, been kicking around. You'll see her on Fox News every now and then. Fox Business. She'll write an op-ed. And, um, yeah, this um, couple in Ringe, I guess they're involved in the Cheshire Republicans. Um, or the, just this area, Towns, Fitzwilliam, Ringe, Jaffrey. Invited her over to speak and meet with uh, probably like 30 35 people in a private residence and uh carly just went face to face with everybody and chit chatted you know it had all the feels of a typical retail house party and uh, she spoke for about 20 minutes and then took questions and um you know it was fun it was nice it was the first event i went to this season and i uh, met with her i met with her people and uh hopefully we'll line her up for a guest on the radio show so it'd be a lot of fun yeah it was good it was good she was impressive in her presentation um, you know, I don't agree with her social politics. I don't really agree with her foreign policy. She seems like she kind of wants to amp the military up even more than it's already amped up. I don't know how we're going to pay for that. Right. And then she was going on about gay marriage and, you know, um, just just the same old stuff. The red meat that the, yeah, the primary just, voters are Yeah, gonna... just older people, um, baby boomer old conservatives like that stuff. They respond well to that. Our age group doesn't. But, uh, you know, I wish her all the luck and... Um, I think she's going to announce this week, and it will be interesting to see how her campaign goes and, um, you know, how she handles herself in the debates with, obviously, all just men. She probably will be the only female on the Republican side. Yeah, I don't think Michelle Bachman's going to come back. I hope not. Oh, God. She's so... Fiorina is much more credible than Bachman. Yeah, I think think right now they're using Bachman, um, you know, as a scarecrow out in, like, the Midwest somewhere. I watched a, I watched a great documentary called uh, Evocateur about Morton Downey Jr. in the Morton Downey Jr. show. Mm, that's and, a great one. Uh, Michelle Bachman is in that one briefly with uh, Herman Cain at some kind of right wing f- festival. Yeah. And uh, man, Morton Downey Jr. What, what can you say about him? Are they he, just trying to out crazy each other, Herman Cain <laughs> and Michelle Bachman? Yeah, they were just basically uh, you know preying on uh, people's fears of. Uh, the gays coming and gay Muslims and you know uh, <laughs> people being more progressive and but there was a great documentary and uh, Morton Downey Jr. man I mean he paved the way for people like Jerry Springer, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity because it was just this outrageous right wing personality that he was yeah and they were and, saying that the he his personality was kind of based on the Joe Pine show which is like this is old sixties or fifties yeah this really old talk like you know just controversial like in your face kind of talk show it was one of the first kind of shows that had ever really like that that had come along right and, he took uh, that idea and then kind right. of kind of so remixed it uh he wasn't actually in fact conservative in his own well, personal he ended up becoming conservative it's interesting i had no idea about this but he actually worked with uh ted kennedy and he was neighbors with ted Ke- his the downey family had a uh, uh, property on martha's vineyard which abutted ted kennedy's compound oh, no kidding. on martha's vineyard so they partied together they were close uh he was part of his um I think 1968 campaign or one of his campaigns in the 60s. For Senate? Yeah, and was in Ted Kennedy's office and personal friends with him and the family. And uh, his father was a famous Irish tenor who actually sang at JFK's inauguration. No kidding. So uh, you I can, didn't know any of that. Yeah, you can oh, watch that on the documentary. What's it called, the documentary? Uh, Evocateur. 
Am I saying that correctly? Yep. Evocator. Yep. Martin Downey Jr. movie. And I what think. did he say to Ron Paul when he had him on his show in like 88 when Ron Paul was running as a libertarian? Oh, it was great. He's like, if someone like you ever became president, I'd puke on you. <laughs> Ron Paul's like, who here thinks alcohol should be illegal? One person, one person. And that's the thing. For people to actually go, like uh, Al Sharpton would go on the show. Ron Paul went on there. Lloyd Kaufman from Troma. Sure. Um, Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan. Oh, for people God. to go on this show, you got to realize like the way the audience was was hyped up. It was always to be against one of the guests. Right. And Morton Downey, whether he believed it or not, would just he throw played this on ridiculous. That? I mean, oh, it, it was some of the most entertaining stuff. And it's kind of the origins of quote unquote trash TV. But I think it was a little bit more deeper, deeper than, than that. that. So and, you, Colbert could kind of thank someone like Tony. Absolutely. Oh, and uh, Network too. If you ever seen the movie Network, I, you know, uh, I, I started Howard Beale and Network is it's like that's. I'm basically mad as hell, and I'm not going to take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Basically, it's all it's all based off of. I think. So good stuff. I highly recommend it to anyone who's looking for something, uh, you know, entertaining and a little different and uh, informative. Check that out. Speaking of midgets, Eric, Game of Thrones. All right, nice transition. All about the midgets. All nice right. job. Mike is going to hit us with some impersonations um, from Game of Thrones over your favorite characters. If you listen to the show, you know about it. If you're anyone with a pulse, Game of Thrones is owning shit. Varies the spider. My birds come to me and they whisper. Have you ever heard about the time I was cut? My bird might fly over you and poop on your hot dog. Little finger. I told you, Ned Stark, not to trust me. The only woman I've ever loved is your wife, Baelish. Jorah. Khaleesi. The Dothraki don't take too kindly to overdue parking tickets. Your dragons will only go so far, Khaleesi. I love you. Ramsey Bolton. Do you love me, Reek? Yes, of course, my lord. Davo Seaworth. Alright, right, keep going. Davo Seaworth. It's customary to bend the knee to your king. This is Stannis Baratheon, the father of all the ghetto children. The original king of Westeros, the rightful king of Westeros, the man who cut off my fingers, Stannis. And naturally, Stannis Baratheon. If you don't bend the knee, oh, my red-headed bitch, burn you like a fucking barbecue chicken. And my main man, the motherfucking imp, Tyrion. My whole life, you wanted to kill me, father. Now you have a chance to kill me. Why would you sentence me to death when all I want to do is drink? The truth. Egret. You know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> Samwell. I miss Gilly. I wish Gilly were here, John. John. What does a vagina look like? Hodor. Hodor. <laughs> Jon Snow. There's no comfort on the wall. There's nothing on the wall. It's a frozen tundra. We don't have ATM machines and drive-throughs and machine guns. We got nothing on the wall. There's no women. I'm a bastard. The Hound. I'll kill you for the chicken. Fuck the king. When I eat chickens, I get thirsty for ale. Spot on. Game of Thrones, man. Unbelievable. I love it. One of my favorite shows. You know, I'm working on the impersonations. I hope you guys like those. Quick rapid fire. Um, we're, we're in season five now. All kinds of characters coming back. All kinds of things going on. I love it. You know, it's, it's what Lord of the Rings wishes they could be. So, for tonight, we are going to air the second part of uh, our two-part series from Washington, D.C., where I had the uh, opportunity to interview Tyrell Ventura about his show, Watching the Hawks, yeah. on RT America. I just had a blast talking to him, you know? I mean, he's a very knowledgeable, uh, that covers a lot of great subjects, and we had a lot of fun during the interview, well, and I think that shows through in the second half. Of I this. mean, he's like us. He's a millennial who gives a fuck, who, right. who's not um, caught up in the mainstream media and thinking that they're end-all, be-all for information. 
Yeah, he. I mean, he wants you to question what he's doing. You know, he, he wants you as as he point. I think the greatest line he said in the whole two part thing. I'm not telling you what to think. I want you to think. Yeah, think. And I thought that was a. Use your fucking brain. Yeah, just go out there and think about what's going on in the world beyond the headlines. There's a lot of dark shit going on. Right, but there's also some humor and light things, which we also touch upon. I mean, we, good we, things. We talk about Mickey Rourke, you know, obviously my favorite actor. We've mentioned him several times in this show. Oh, yeah. And, you know, talked about Conspiracy Theory, the show that he worked on with his father, Jesse Ventura. Right. And um, just some good tidbits in there. So I think you guys are going to... Uh, Going to enjoy the second half of my exclusive interview with Tyrell Ventura. So overall, you got a great vibe from Tyrell. Awesome vibe. Awesome dude. Great time. I hope you guys enjoy it. Jackman Radio, Tyrell Ventura. Did you see The Expendables, the first one? I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. he gave the best delivery in that. Oh, yeah. he, he's the only one who bothered to do any real acting well, here's in, the thing, that, in that movie. Here's the know? thing with Mickey Rourke. <laughs> I, 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 when I went to go see what was it, Sin City... Oh, yeah. another, uh, I, another great I, comeback role for him. Yeah, in you know, I, I, uh, I will admit, I, I've never really been a comic book guy. You know, um, growing up, I was always more of a movie guy. Yeah, and, same here. You know, and so, you know, it wasn't a big deal to me that they made Sin City into a movie. I didn't really. It's like, okay, so it was a comic book you made into a movie. That happens all the time. I remember watching. This is the testament to Mickey Rourke's ability. <clears throat> I remember watching that movie, going like, okay, I'm not, I'm not into this. And then Mickey Rourke came on screen. As Marv. As Marv. Oh, God. And what Mickey did in his performance that was so brilliant is Mickey told you what the tone and feel of the movie should be. He, his character and the way he played the character told you how to watch the movie. And it takes a great actor to do that, especially in a movie like that where you're, uh, you know, it's a weird movie. Under heavy prosthetics and makeup also. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a weird movie and you don't know, should I take this seriously? Should I laugh? Is this over the top? Is this, how am I supposed to watch this? And Mickey nailed the character so well that he instantly told me and informed me, this is how you want to watch this movie. It's a little over it, the yeah. top. It's a little this. Oh, it's fun. Totally you know, Yeah. Did you see the sequel? I did not see the sequel. He's the yet. best part of the sequel, in my yeah, opinion, well, next to the French actress uh, Ava Green. I think I believe. Oh, she's is. amazing. Stunning, yeah, yeah. very no, that's, talented. That's, that's Mickey, though. He can, he can, you know, he's like I said, you can watch him. The wrestler. There's, there's yeah, the wrestler. Obviously, you know, there, there's very few actors that I will, you know, say, hey man, just sit and read the dictionary, and I'm fascinated. Right, if the Hopkins <laughs> is one, yeah. yeah. And okay, so we touched on Mickey Rourke. Um, yeah. uh, I know we're going a little off topic here, but no, okay. Jackman Radio covers a little bit of pop culture because you got to mix in a little. Right. Yeah, can't no be, you can't be you can't be all serious all the time. No, 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 no. We, we do we do we, comedy on the same here. thing with watching the Hawks. You know, we'll always you guys get great comic chops on there. Oh, we have fun. We have <laughs> yeah, fun, have and have we fun. also you know we also will cover stories that that you know we'll cover the science story because they're fascinating. You know, we'll cover something that you know. You, if you're talking about depressing stuff, which at the end of the day, there's a lot of depressing stuff in this world that there we is. need to know about, that's important to know about, but at the same time, it's it's sad and it hurts and, and, it, and it can get real dark and gloomy real quick. Yeah. And uh, you have to balance it out with something that kind of brings you up. I mean, the, the, you know? the art of Mickey Rourke uh, you know, helped, helped me through a tough time. I was there in a car go. accident and I was yeah. laid up on a recliner for two months. Mm -hmm. And I watched almost all of his, you know, I mean, I, I've been a you know, fan for years yeah. and I watched... A lot, of, you know, a lot of his movies are redemption stories and, mm. and being an anti-hero or, mm. and it's, you know, I, I don't know. I found inspiration in that. So that's our little, uh, our little, uh, off thread. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's art, beautiful. man. You know, it's, art. Art. it's part of life, man. I mean, good art, truthfully, uh, will have more of an impact on, on the culture and society than, than a politician will. Oh, every, every day, you know, I, and especially if it has something to say, like like you know, Sean's father, Oliver Stone, JFK. Yeah, yeah, you and, can you can make films or may write a book or whatever that will have more far more of a greater reach, uh, whether it be a revolutionary reach or or you know uh, whatever it may be that that'll 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 have a higher impact on society. Absolutely, you know, people people respond to that. That's why we painted on cave walls. You know, it's like you know we need to leave a a, a record, and and that's how you do it. Absolutely, and, and um, on the topic of JFK, you also mm -hmm. uh, you, know, you mentioned you produced for Conspiracy Theory, and then you were in front of the camera from on season three. Uh, one of my favorite episodes was the episode where you guys actually tracked down Marina Oswald, yeah. who was Lee Harvey Oswald's widow, mm -hmm. and you guys 
Gardner go on camera, but but blurred her face out, or or, or the well, location I, was obscure. Yeah, she didn't. I don't think she agreed to go on camera. Um, Audio only, maybe. I, or? I think it was something like that. It's been a few years now, but but I know that she wasn't keen on being on camera. Right. Um, but wanted to meet with Jesse. Right. Uh, so I think, if I'm not mistaken, we had Jesse meet with her. Um, I think it was took a few long shots, but but you know we're far away respecting her wishes. Um, right, because she's still down in the Dallas area, from what I yeah, understand. Yeah, 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 I believe so. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Um, and no, it was, it was an it was it was an amazing get. It was it was it was good. I know my dad was really excited about it because it's it's you know it's meeting a piece of history. It's meeting someone who was at a, a part who was a part of a historical event that changed the you know, change the entire history of the, of the country, if not the world. Um, I think that, I think that assassination had that ripple effect. Oh, absolutely. Know, I think had Kennedy not been killed, I think we'd be living in a much different country. I think he probably would have, would have pulled out of Vietnam. Yeah. And I think the, the, the civil rights issues would have been, he, you know, it took him a little time to come to that, him and RFK, but mm -hmm. those would have certainly been better than under Johnson. Well, I mean, and, Johnson and did... You know, I mean, Johnson did, I mean, that was kind of his claim to fame. Civil Rights was, Act, 1964. Civil Rights Act, you know, right. I mean, he, he did make that happen. Um, was he the best guy for civil rights? That's a good point. Yeah, and that's, that's <laughs> Johnson's something, you know, a whole other, another, yeah, a whole mean, other a beast. He kind of has yeah. a trail of bodies behind him before he, does. he becomes I mean, I think, vice I think, president. Yeah, and I think, I think there's a lot of truth to when people say that he was probably intimately involved in the killing of John Kennedy. I mean, I you know, yeah, you're yeah. the guy who's going to take the seat. You know, I don't know if he was the mastermind of it. But I would say that he, after the fact, maybe he he made sure that yeah. people like Earl Warren and uh, you know um, I don't think uh, you could pull off an operation. Alan Dulles. Uh, I put it to like this: I don't think you could pull off an operation like that ahead of time without. It would surprise me if they did it without his knowledge, right? In some capacity. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, because you you got to have the guy who's going to sit in the seat be on board. Yeah. Go along with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine them. I mean, unless they just knew him so well, in which they—that's their job. He was willing to do, be you ruthless, know. And, and well, and, because and, Kennedy probably was going to drop him from the ticket. That's that's what they that's what they were yeah. saying for the '64 election. They were, yeah. gonna, they did not get along. No, and, Ken, and Kennedy's and, like and, you said, Lyndon had a lot of bodies. You know, or from his bag man, Mac Wallace was, yeah. was his hitman. Uh, you know, so I, I, I think there's a, I think there's, I, I would be really shocked if he didn't have some idea. Of a change of power was going to something was in the wind, and, yeah, yeah. And what's interesting too, I read this recently. I, I forget this gentleman's name, but the gentleman who arranged for um, translation from Russian to English for Marina Oswald during mm -hmm. the Warren Commission was actually part of the motorcade in Dealey mm -hmm. Plaza. Wow. I, I forget his name, but back to Marina Oswald, mm -hmm. she was trotted out during this time yeah. to kind of implicate her husband in the assassination, and mm -hmm. I think. In my personal opinion, based on what I've read and well, what Marguerite Oswald, Oswald's mother, was talking about, they had her holed up in a hotel, and they were putting a lot of pressure on her um, initially to to implicate him. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think I, I mean, you know, it's been a while since I, I, I should go back and watch it. That was a, it was a good episode. One, one of my favorite ones. I you mean, know, I, well, the thing that jumped out to me in that episode, what I really remember most, was the uh, Saint John Hunt. And, and, oh yeah, St. John Hunt. And, yeah, did you now? Now, who? How did you guys get in touch with him? Or, or uh, well, I, we were. I, I think we, we were aware of some of the the claims he was making about these recordings of his father on know, his deathbed, on, kind on his of, deathbed. Or, or when and, he was ill and then he got better. And, yeah, and and I remember thinking like, we got to get this person because this is this is again a piece of history. And uh, so I think if I remember correctly, it was either myself or somebody. I might memory's hazy, but uh, we reached out to him and we got him to, to, to agree to come and play us the the info. <laughs> and, and he had been lined up. If I'm not mistaken, he had been lined up to have like a bunch of like really big magazines and things like that talk about his story, and then just all of a sudden they all walked away. Like maybe sixty minutes or, or yeah, whoever did I mean, something it was, something it was, big from the mainstream. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember exactly which ones. If it was like Rolling Stone and Time or something like that, but I, I could be wrong. Um, Rolling Stone did actually do a pretty I think good Rolling Stone did, but on, I, I want to say it might have been like Time or somebody like that too. And they were all set to bring St. John out and be like, "Look at this," and then they all kind of got cold feet 
which happens quite a bit when you're dealing with JFK. Oh, yeah. Um, people don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole yeah. sometimes, even and if the information is solid or, or, exactly. or in interesting. It could lead yeah. to something. And it was fascinating meeting St. John, and, and he's a, a really dynamic person and a really, really good good person. Um, in, in, once again, in my, in my kind of meetings with him and, and, and seeing him over the course of shooting that episode, um, you know, I wish I could have been there when they shot the stuff in Marina, but it was you know just kind of Jesse and the crew, and we didn't. I wasn't able to go out there at the time. Oh, I see. She wanted um, to kind of do the one-on-one -on -one thing. Yeah, and, and also you know it was in Dallas, and and I was producing in L.A., and you know you kind of we would shoot that show. Uh, we would be shooting like five shows at once. You know, like oh, so, oh, different different subjects. Like yeah, you had the 9/11 yeah. show, you'd have the JFK one, and uh, they'd all be and, shooting congruently. I see. Like okay, it, we, we never shot like. One, one episode, episode at to a two time. episode to three episode. We would be shooting like one through three all at the same time, so you kind of have a lot of different plates spinning. And and yeah, you know, one of the things that 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 was hard about that show is that you know some of these stories, whether it be nine eleven or JFK or you know, there's so much great information out there. It's hard to fit them there, into there a is. forty-five minute, fifty minute. And make block. it entertaining. And make it entertaining. Well, it's always entertaining. Well, but you know what it, I mean? Like, yeah, but you know, and you got to fit all that into a fifty-minute block. Yeah, and you could go a hundred different roads to get from point A to either. point B. Yeah, and so you gotta think like, okay, well, how do we, you know, what what's like the five to six really, you know, really good bits about this that I think will really captivate people and get people's interest interest and, and maybe get them to start asking some questions to look at it to yeah. look at it, and so you kind of would pick those even though there could be a hundred of those, and and so every time you come out with an episode, of course, you get like a bunch of talk back like why didn't you hit this why didn't you talk about this yeah were you censoring this were you not trying to talk about this why are you hiding that you know and yeah. it's like no we're not it's just it's so hard if we you know if we, if we had the budget and the time you know we would do three hour episodes and try to cover the whole thing yeah you know but yeah you know sometimes you just hit that crunch where you only can get so much information so you just say you know what with jfk it was we want to get fletcher prouty because he i think had some great information on it we want to get saint john hunt you can't ignore Marina Oswald. No, you know, and, her and, story, yeah. Yeah, you know, so you kind of say, okay, we got like those three, that's a pretty good trifecta of stuff. I think we even had some other stuff in there too, but, uh, you know, that's pretty solid. Like, let's go with that, you know. And then, oh, and then Jesse, you know, putting the, you know, shooting the rifle and trying oh, to match the shots. That's bullshit. Yeah. I yeah. can't hit that. I'm a, I'm a former Navy yeah. SEAL. Yeah. That's bullshit. Oh, yeah. I had him up in the, in the, uh, in the, I had in him the up, cherry picker. It, it was comical, but it was, yeah. it was genius but because it, we did it. it illustrated. We, I was out there and I set that up and it was two spec. We had the hay bales exactly at each point that Kennedy was hit and the rifle itself was incredible. Um, it was two spec. Like a collector had gotten the rifle the Malagor Carcano. World War II and, Italian. And built it and, and, and adjusted it and made it exactly to Oswald's, to the time, the same rifle that Oswald used. Like, there was nothing that was off. Right. The so scope was, as well was that era, that, you know, wow. as close so as everything possible. was as to Short of having the actual rifle. Right. It was the rifle. Wow. And we even went so far as we, we got the, the bullets uh, for the rifle. Uh, actually came from the same uh, batch that Oswald got his. No kidding. I if did, Oswald did, did the shoot. Wow. <laughs> his, his mail order <laughs> yeah. uh, rifle. He could have gone uh, to any, any store in Texas and bought it anonymously. Exactly. Yeah. They had Setting to be yeah. yeah, no. Uh, so, yeah, but it, we went that far, and then we raised it up to the exact height of what the window would be and angled it to what where the cars would be from the window and, and did it exactly as we... As, as accurately as we could, short of, you know, if we had the money going down and renting down. out Dealey Plaza, which right. I don't think they'll do anymore. In the Sixth Floor Museum, yeah. probably not too keen on doing mm -hmm. that after, of mm -hmm. course, Oliver Stone filmed JFK down there and yeah. painstakingly recreated and so, Oliver, so much Oliver of it. did that great work with that movie. Oh, you know? yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, I, you know, that, that, you know, that's the extra mile we liked, I, you know, we tried to go is to try, try to do that. And that was a hell of an episode. That it was. was. Like, that, that one really stands out. And the one where, like you were saying earlier, how you and Sean and Tabitha don't always agree. <laughs> one of the 9-11 episodes, you and, and, and your dad kind of butted heads on, yeah. I think, some of Dr. Judy Wood's yes. research. And, oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. yeah that, that, was, that, that, that stood out. You know, yeah. you, that, that, yeah. I mean. 
it, it happens. You're going to disagree, especially when you're getting into sensitive subject matter. You're always going to, you know, everyone's yeah. going to have their opinion on it or what they think is, is the reality of it or, 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 you know, what they're looking at. And, and you're, you're going to disagree. But the great thing is, is it doesn't mean that you hate the other person. No. You know, it's like, you know, I, it's I, I love my that dad. Me and dad can disagree oh. about certain aspects Same of my life yeah, and not yeah. be angry at each other Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Because saying, that's the challenge. You want to be challenged. You want to say, okay, disprove me. You know, or, yeah. or tell me something that then, ooh, that's really good. Ooh, I never thought about that. You know, that's a great thing about my dad is that, you know, I, you know, I love my dad completely, and, and he's been an, an amazing father. And, uh, you know, we'll have great conversations. Because that's what it is. It's not disagreements. It's conversations, you know, about a lot of different things. Yeah. It, it was kind of a heated moment. I don't know if maybe yeah. for the cameras you guys maybe decided to kind of enter the wrestling ring a little bit. I have no comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite moments. Uh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll sit and have a couple of drinks with my dad, and oh, yeah. we'll, we can disagree with each other. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, yeah. we're on the same page. Yeah, you look at conspiracy theory. You know, there's always that thing of like people would always say like it's over the top. Why would you do that? It's well, kinda, I mean, it, you're competing with clicks. People are clicking by, and right. and exactly. you can either have two people in a room calmly talking with white backgrounds with facts with facts. Yeah. You know, and calmly talking with a white background and nothing happening. Or you can have them in an alleyway and it's raining and it's dark and they're saying the same things they would say but in the white little, room. Yeah. But you have to create a little intrigue. You yeah, know, exactly. It, because people have to stop. Yeah. You know, if it's just a guy in a chair. Well, they got Jesse in a leather coat. I mean, that was that, yeah. that was that was a great touch. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. which he likes that leather coat. But uh, uh, I can change my mind if I want, Tyrell. <laughs> I have new evidence being brought to me that I'm considering. And you're like, Dad, you're talking about space beans. Exactly. And it was, it was just a great moment. And oh, yeah. Because, like you were saying... Well, I was also trying to think to, you know, how... What are the people at home saying right now? You know, To, to what's being always, presented. Exactly. Part yeah. of that's like, I have to be the voice of the audience. Because at a certain point, the audience is going to be like, what in the hell are you talking you gotta about? you got to question it. You have to question yeah. it. Hold know? it accountable. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's... Judy Wood is a really interesting person. And, and she presents speak. a hypothesis. Is it the right one? Is it the wrong one? Yeah. At the end of the day, who cares? What's most important is that we're asking the question. You guys are putting it out there. Yeah. It, you should, it should be discussed. Of course it should be Especially in this country. It should be discussed so people can disprove it or prove it, whatever right. it may be. But you have to get it out there, you know. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's all kinds of theories about the, the destruction and the collapse. And and I, I've, I've personally veered away from that in, in recent years and kind of gone towards things like Saudi Arabia, their possible involvement, the 28 redacted pages that, that a lot of people are pushing for. Very fascinating. Um, one more thing on conspiracy theory. Another one of my favorite episodes was the one where you guys are, are uh, underground. Oh, uh, yeah. You guys started at the this Ozarks. big residential. Yeah. What's the background on that? I mean, there, there were seemed to be miles and miles of tunnel that you guys were going well, what, through. What those places were, which were really interesting, is we, we, dis we during that investigation, we, we discovered that there's all of these, in the Ozarks, there's these massive, uh, are, they're storage tunnels, essentially. Uh, where, where corporations or private individuals have just, you know, there's train tracks running through them and they're just these massive underground storage facilities. Uh, what they're used for, I don't know. I mean, it's at the time, we had, you know, I, 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 we got in completely without doing anything wrong whatsoever. We did you guys not, just kind of drive in there and sneak they... into that place whatsoever. Disclaimer, they, they did yeah. not sneak in. Uh, and we got in there. And, and, uh, <laughs> it was great. And, it, was like, uh, it was like a freaking Hardy Boys. Oh, like, it was. Oh, this was, was entertaining, but it was also scary. It was. That episode was, that episode yeah, was scary. I mean, and I never knew these places existed. And, and when you're kind of going off the hypothesis of, you know, are they building things because they are aware of, you know, a cataclysmic event that we're not, you know, um, right. It, it gets, it presents a very interesting argument because, or, or question, if you know the world's going to blow up, let's say, you know, and that kind of thing, if you know the asteroid's coming, or do you tell everybody to panic them and get them going crazy or do you let it just hit them and, right. and prep yourself and prep yourself? Don't I, let mass chaos ensue. Just set yourself up for a good chance at surviving. Yeah. You know, it, it prevent. It, if you really sit and think about the question, it's a hard question to answer. If you really give it the time of day to think about. Well, if you had the money and resources, maybe. You, I mean, I have a friend in New Hampshire who uh, was working for uh, someone who had a lot of money from uh, one of the major soda corporations. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say which one. And this guy had underground bunkers all over his property and, mm -hmm. and stuff that they were installing. That to the layman and the regular person, you're like, this is crazy. Why would you ever? Spend money and time doing this. Yeah, you're, you're up in New Hampshire. Yeah. So I mean, is it is it that that person has the inside track on something that we don't? Probably not. Yeah. Maybe he does. Who knows? He or she does. I don't know. But you know, 
is it good to prepare? You know, those, I'm, you know, I remember being in those tunnels going like, this is insane. Like, you know, I mean, this is, this is massive. I mean, they just would go on and on and you'd get lost. It was very easy. You could easily get lost down there if you didn't know where the hell you're going. And we didn't, like we almost did get oh, lost. Oh, it just went on. You know, and, um, you know, it was, it was, it was weird. And, you know, it was like, it was this, and, and no one really talks about it. I mean, there's truckers well, going the in thing, and out of right? them all day. It's not even so like, it's known, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a secret military base. They're known. But they're just, you don't realize the, um, like, how deep and how vast they are until you're in them. And you're like, oh, because when you drive by them on the street, it just looks like a hole in the side of a mountain. You know, it just looks like a hole in the side of the hill. Right. A bunch of semi-trucks going in there. You don't really think about it twice. But I haven't thought about that in a long time. Thank you for bringing that, that up. That one really stuck with me, man. Yeah. That, that, obviously, because I've been interested in 9-11 research mm -hmm. um, since I was a teenager. And obviously, we uh, both know Dylan Avery, the creator yeah. of Loose Change. Great yeah, guy. Great he's, human being. He was on our show a couple weeks ago talking mm -hmm. about his new... Uh, documentary that he's filming called Black and Blue about police brutality. Yes, he's told me about that. It sounds like a hell of a good documentary. Oh, it's going to be good. And Dylan's, and, Dylan's yeah. on point. What are, what are some of the topics that you really look forward to delving into on watching the Hawks that you guys are going to have coming up? Or maybe interview? Oh. you guys have any big interviews you're looking to really land? I, I know you probably don't want to give away too much, but... Yeah, you can't give away too much. Uh, we, well, what's uh, your like, dream who, What's your dream interview of landing someone, getting them to go on the record about something? or? Oh, boy, that's a good question. <laughs> I would love to have George Bush on. W? <laughs> w or HW? Uh, w would be fun. Okay. No, um, <laughs> no I actually, I, I, he's not the interesting one. Um, there's a lot more of that. No, Marvin people. or yeah. Jeff? I, I actually, I would, I would love to, to, you know, there's so many good people out there that I want to I wanna talk to. It's hard to kind of narrow it down into like one group. For, for, the, for the fun and the in, in, intellectual stimulation of the interview, honestly, I would love to sit down with someone like Russell Brand. Oh, he, he's uh, entertaining, but he's yeah, also very, very intelligent smart. and well-spoken. Yeah. You know, Russell Brand is someone who I, oh, I know man. I'd love he, to have on. Uh, Elon Musk is another interesting individual. Elon Musk. He's the guy behind the Tesla cars and, like, the oh, yeah. SpaceX oh, and like, okay. all so that. He's doing, keeping the Tesla thing going? Yeah, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, Russell Brand. Well, I have to go on your show and do your job for you. Mm -hmm. Like, you guys can't even report on real things. It's he, like... Russell's well, um, oh, he's incredible. He kills him with kindness, but oh, yeah. sarcasm, but also you know, this cutting truth. That so, he puts yeah, I there. mean, people like that in terms of the pop culture side of things or just an interesting side of things. Um, maybe Mickey Rourke. Maybe Mickey Rourke. Please let me know if you get uh, Mickey. If I do, I'll let you know. I, I want to come on as a uh, consultant for that episode. But, you know, story-wise, we, you know, we, we, we pick story. You know, Tabitha has the things that she's interested in. I have the things I'm interested in. Sean has what he's interested in. We kind of like, you know, then we look at, like, what's happening in the world that day. You know, it's a daily show, so... The great thing about doing the show is that, you know, we're going to be on for a while, so, you know, we can have patience. You right. Know, like, and you got, so four episodes per week? Four episodes per week. Yeah. An hour long each? Uh, or half hour each. Half, so okay, so half, half hour, hour. So. You know, and the great thing is that we're, we're going to be there and we can have patience. So, you know, we're going to, we, we are going to be able to cover everything that we want to cover. Because Eventually. You know, think about it as 52 weeks a year. You know, right. You, you know, there's yeah. a lot of shows. Four days a week, 52 weeks a year. I'm that's not doing math, but that's a lot of episodes. So the great thing is, is that we, if, if we haven't covered it this week, I can promise you that we will cover it soon. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's like, I could say that. You know, if it's something out there that you're interested in, that's the thing too. Please, by all means, email us. You know, send us on our Facebook page and on, our, on Twitter and things like that. Send us stories. You know, we liked that when we were doing Conspiracy Theory. We liked it when we were doing Buzzsaw. It's always nice because we have a great team of people working on this show. But, hey, we're just, you know, we're five, six people. Small team trying to you know, process all this information. It's a world of information out there. Right. So the more that right. you can send us, the more that you can share with us, that's, that's great. Because there's stuff that, you know, maybe we have seen. Uh, or there's stuff that we've never thought, you know, that, that boom, comes across the desk and you say, you know what, I want to cover that. Um, but we'll we'll cover a lot of different wide ranging stuff. It, it's like I said, the great thing about working at RT is that, is is the editorial control they give you over your show is is is, is, is you'd never find that anywhere else. You know, you'd never find that. I don't think at CNN or Fox or any no. of those places. Ted you Turner, know. Rupert Murdoch controlled. Uh, no, you yeah. know, you, you you know, RT. The great thing is, is they they you know they really say you know, do what you find interesting. You know, talk about what you what you think is important. And, and that's the great thing, you know, and, and we can kind of go out there and, and attack that and create an entertaining, informative show. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I think that's where it's heading, honestly. I mean, I people, so. people are getting tired of these stuff suits and talking heads just delivering all this dribble and, and, and it, talk, you know, just putting basically shit out there. Yeah, it's interesting. You know? I, I had the, the great fortune of uh, kind of checking an item off the bucket list for me was I got interviewed by Larry King a few days ago. 
Now getting interviewed by, by Larry King. Me and Tabitha and Sean. Now getting interviewed by you, Mike, is the second bucket list oh. checkoff, so thank you. Hear that, folks? Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I got interviewed by Larry King, and it wow. was a fascinating interview. And one of the things that he asked us was about millennials and their ability, you know, how they watch the news and do they watch the news. And though I think I'm actually a year removed from the millennial, I think I'm a year before. I think what millennials. Are 79? Think yeah, 79. I think ah, the millennials you're on are. You're right there. Yeah. I mean, you know. But I think what, what is so fascinating about this kind of generation of people, and, and by I think 2020 or 2024, I think 2020, they're going to be the 40% of the voting base in the right. country. That's right. a massive amount of people. Yeah, that's powerful. And young. That can change the world. You know, and that can change the world for the better real quick. You know, and I think the one interesting thing about that generation is we were born after Watergate. We were born after JFK. We Vietnam. were born after Vietnam. We were born into a uh, cynicism or a, you know, we were born into distrust of government, distrust of government that right. you didn't have necessarily before. You know, where you knew, where it's provable that the government has lied and, and has tried to manipulate the citizenry, kill the citizenry. We, you know, you've, we, we, we've seen that. We've grown up in it. Um, you know, we didn't, uh, there, were, there was no, uh, uh, you know, uh, rose-colored glasses to break. We didn't have that. For the young, for the, yeah, yeah, people under 40. I mean, you're talking about mid-70s to today. So that plays into mainstream media and the fact that with CNN, Fox, MSNBC, you know, all of the others, they still think it's about putting you into two different groups that fight each other and always pushing the party line or pushing the State Department line. And I think millennials, honestly, and this is just my opinion, I, I don't want to speak for a generation, um... I think they see through that. I think they're tired of it. I think they want to be individual. They want to believe in everyone around them, but at the same time, they want to hold on to their individuality. Right. And they think as individuals as opposed to groupthink. And social media has been a huge tool of that. Yes. I mean, you have, obviously, what's going on in the Middle East with uh, Twitter and, and uprisings, social media-based, but even within this country, um, with what the news feeds everybody, you know, yeah. social media has kind of broken through and, and been able to give... Every, someone a voice to break yep. the story. Yep. I mean, you have the National Enquirer bringing down John Edwards. I mean, right. come on. Yeah, you know, right? well, the National Enquirer's also got that Epstein story that's really fascinating, the thing Epstein? about the island with the underage girls and Oh, from that. England, right? Or, yeah. or the, the, Brit the British royal family story? It's not the British royal family, but I, well, they, yeah, I think it's... it's a cousin kind of, or something? Or? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. the Enquirer's been on that story, which is really a fascinating, interesting story because it also has ties to, like, Bill Clinton and a lot of other people. And, right. You know, it, it's, it's very interesting story so between <laughs> bat boy and and the bearded lady they got well don't and that's then the inquirer now come on get your tabloids right bat boy was the weekly world news oh okay you remember the weekly world news oh don't, yeah, don't, yeah. Don't, don't oh, the supermarket checkout yeah yeah yeah, 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 that yeah bat uh, boy and <laughs> alien would always meet the like remember the alien shaking hands with clinton yeah that was, yeah, that was the weekly it's... world news <laughs> uh, inquirer was different inquirer was usually plastic surgery botches and yeah. somebody's dying or close to death and then divorces. <laughs> they also broke the uh, the, the Mary the Mary Cord uh, Mary Meyer. Uh, I'm right. familiar yeah, with you heard Mary's Mosaic, yes, yes. a really great book by Peter Janney, who we're actually probably going to have on hmm. this radio show in uh, May or June. Cool. And uh, they they released a, a, an article in the '70s about her diary That's that cool. went missing and her tryst with JFK. So nice, good stuff. Well, we've come full circle here, uh, touching on many things that Tyrell's been involved with uh, in his uh, very impressive career. And, yeah, and uh, uh, do you have anything else you want to promote or, or end with? Uh, or, or? Well, I'll end with everything that I always end with. Well, I'll just say, you know, keep keep watching the Hawks. You know, it's a great show. Um, we're doing our best. Look, we're only human. We're gonna we're gonna make a few mistakes, but we're gonna Absolutely. we're doing it all with the intention to you know better inform you and, 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 and get you know get some good information out there, make it entertaining, have some fun, and also be serious and, and you know. You know, really you know, push the envelope as much as we can. Uh, so you know, you got to plug the show. So that's you know, Mondays through Thursdays, 6 p.m. on RT America. Um, and and the show ended the way I always do on my shows, man. Uh, in this world, we're not told enough that we are loved, and so I tell you all, Mike, everyone, uh, I love you. That's beautiful, man. What the world needs now is love, sweet love.
drinking Corona. Yeah, if it's perfectly with a Corona, I'm drinking in the Cinco de Mayo that's about to happen this week. That's right, Cinco de Mayo. Um, I think a lot of people cele- quote unquote celebrate and drink because I don't really know why. It's I just like St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, I think it's just the uh, it's the uh, Hispanic response. Could be. So that was my interview with Tyrell Ventura. Lots of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, really cool guy to talk to. Really down to earth, and um, hopefully we can catch up with him again down the road. So that uh, when I was down there, I was drinking Natural Bohemian. Nice. That was the sponsor of that particular interview. I'm sure you could hear the <laughs> cracks yeah. of the cans, as they call it down there, Natty Bo, which is kind of like their Yingling or, uh, you know, PBR. Yeah. Although I think it has a higher drinkability than both of those beers. <laughs> yeah, Homeless Guy's Piss has higher drinkability than those beers. <laughs> <laughs> so you're drinking a Corona. I, Aaron and I hey, get a Stella going. Good stuff. Absolutely. Going Clear, The Prison of Belief, Scientology documentary. Oh, I'm clear. We've oh, all I've, seen I've it. I've gone clear. Well, you've done a lot of auditing, obviously. <laughs> Have you but, made uh, it to level eight? Thetan? Are you no, level eight no. Thetan? I Thetan? wish. Cretan? Sounds like freaking Magic the Gathering or something. We've all now seen the documentary. Which we've mentioned in the last couple shows. And, um... Wow. Wow. Epic, dude. Mm, Having those people good go, stuff, yeah. go on the record about their systemic torture... And yeah, they got they. What well, they probably had maybe six like core people that were taught, and they were yeah. all they were all people that had, that had been there for at least a decade. Yeah, and these oh. are people who were right next to uh, Miscavige, David Miscavige. Miscavige, who, yeah. who became the leader after Hubbard. He's the real fucking scumbag. He's the, that yeah, guy. He's the fucking lunatic. He's great. He is great. Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's very likable. Yeah. So, you know, he's, uh, when, when he came out and announced, uh, what do they say? Uh, LHR. They call him LHR. Yeah. When he came out to announce that he had left this planet, oh, yeah, yeah, for, a, for yeah, for he the announced next... that he died pretty much. Yeah, he's like, oh, 600 hours, LHR officially departed this world for the next, and everyone's just like, wow. Was it like 10,000 people, like just, yeah, just all giant giving, picture all of giving ten thousand dollars? Yeah, I mean, the, the just the rallies with Tom Cruise, where Tom Cruise coming out saluting him. You see the conviction in Tom Cruise's face, and, and you know that he believes he's got like that big first place Boy Scout medal yeah. around his neck that Miscavige gave him. Yeah, and him. It's and like, he... mommy, look at my medal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> or the church matching him up with with uh, with Katie Holmes. Yeah, but you know, the, trying to find then, a suitable girlfriend. And then, then that story about that other lesser known actress, that kind of. Uh, yeah, they didn't. Um, Katie Holmes, they didn't really talk about they didn't it at touch all. Her too much, and they this, didn't talk about his kid at all. And so I'm just saying, this other general, actress was like right. brought in though and groomed. They brought her out to like. Rodeo Ave in LA and spent like twenty grand on a makeover on her and clothes. But then and stuff. she, some, she like offended yeah. uh, Miscavige. Like she right. was like she was really drunk or something like that. And right. She, she said something. They didn't. It was it was vague Kinda the way vague. they, they from covered it. From what I gathered from the Psycho Crews got in her face. He about was it. very like, ranting and raving. Yeah. How dare you? This is like basically having Christ Himself walk into this fucking place. And right. My, wow. It makes you wonder, though, like how involved he, Tom Cruise and John Travolta are now. Though, like, I, I wouldn't, I can't imagine they're they're that involved. In I it. think uh, maybe a little bit more of the figurehead. They're probably um, wheeled out when they're low on cash. I mean, they said they they buy him a bunch of shit. Like they were, you know, yeah, tr- bikes, tricking out tricking his, out his, his garage and stuff, getting and, him uh, lifts for his shoes, right. platform shoes. And now, and then they they kind of concluded that whole you know section of the docu celebrity section of the documentary was saying that yeah there there isn't really a, a figurehead now of Scientology, Although and it's kind of like to their benefit because there's no one like Miss Gavage can't like be the guy because he's so like you can see wired. through him so evil yeah, easily, you know yeah. The documentary didn't really touch on the fact that his wife hasn't been seen in public and like. Right. I don't know. Right. Five, yeah. Five that, years or something. Well, yeah. Or, they probably couldn't touch that. Yeah. She's probably in the hole being re audited. You know? You know. So anyone who speaks out against it or has dissension in the ranks, uh, you, you can uh, work on the ships for the Sea Org. What about the Sea Org, Eric? Oh, the Sea Org, man. Like, originally, L. Ron Hubbard got these two, like, rust bucket ships and just loaded them up with his followers and set up for the Mediterranean, really, to escape the IRS. And would go dock to dock, port to port, just preaching Scientology, trying to find new members. And, like, when someone new to the Sea Org would board the vessel, their job was, like, to fucking scrape, like, seagull shit off the, off the ship and, like, scrape it to repaint it. And what were the competitive wages they competitive were Competitive wages for the Sea Org were six, anywhere from $0.06 cents to $0.60 cents an hour. 
depending on you know how how high up you've gotten the process. Makes sense. But it was an honor to be there, just to be there. Oh my God, you would, yeah. You, basically, you pay to be there. They had Absolutely. one one of the ladies in the the lady in the documentary was like an original Sea Org member. Yeah, and she was she was fucking. She was hot in her day. They had pictures. Of oh her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She looked good at like seventy. No, they didn't really talk about it. <laughs> If Elron pulled any of these these girls aside and was like banging all of them, mm. I didn't really get that impression that he did that. But maybe I don't know. Well, he kind of fled the public eye. And yeah, he the kind last, of relinquished the last portion of his life, man. He was basically on like on the lamp for the IRS. the IRS. Yeah, like dude, I owe the IRS seventy bucks, man. They got it. Like I, I made yeah. sure they. Go. What if you owed him like seventy a, grand? A bi- no, a billion. Yeah, they had a. By the time Miscavige was able to get tax exemption, it was a billion dollar tax bill wasn't it something like that yeah that they yeah. accrued over the years yeah. because all the merchandise and all the books like that they view that as a business venture right and didn't it didn't give it religious exemption until miscavige that weasel freaking had thousands of lawsuits going against him and harassing just right. normal normal people who were just cogs in the machine at the irs you know bring frivolous lawsuits against them right so. they were they weren't even like a lot of their lawsuits weren't even like in the benefit of the church, they were just mm-hmm. little things that they could find that the IRS were doing that they could sue on the, on the public's behalf. Exactly, and then you know that just led to an avalanche. Yeah, and it became a nightmare. It got a lot of attention, like negative attention towards the IRS. Which is great. I yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Fuck, fuck, quite that's honestly, how, I mean that's how they won in the fuck end. Fuck the IRS, yeah. but you know, it, it took just, it took well, an entity like Scientology though, Mike. What's so intriguing about this religion is that to, to me. This represents one of the last modern religions that's come into prom- you know, prominence that uh, has been able to kind of get away with this and, and build a network and yeah. uh, be profitable and, and influential to some extent right. uh, the on a number of people. It's a mean, criminal, just like with uh, Mormonism. Uh, yeah, I mean, name another religion in the last, you know, in, in even a hundred years. <laughs> look to a scoundrel. Of, right, that's kind of had the, uh, the impact. And, uh, right. And it's, and it's, you know, it's it's a modern, like, you know, yeah. you, you get to see American. what a religion looks like from, in the, from a modern time, you exactly. know what I mean? Like, yeah. from its we inception. have no really concept of that because, you know, most major religions are just fucking, you know, thousands of years ago. You can't even, like, really comprehend how it all like, started. how did it start? I, w- I wish we yeah. did because then you could see really how much of right. a fucking con job. Yeah, if you had interviews right. of fucking Jesus, like, sitting there. like <laughs> Well, if he really existed. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but right, right, exactly. No, telling I mean, all his fucking fairy tales. Right, was like, a science what? fiction writer. It's a pulp science fiction yeah. writer who wrote, <laughs> yeah. he wrote words for pennies. And then, yeah. like, the people we're talking about, once they get to the final, like, eighth level... Yeah, what happens You get then? these, like, handwritten, incoherent, fucking babbling letters from L. Right. Ron Hubbard yeah, they about were t- how they're talking was, about planets yeah. and shit. He's right. coming out of volcanoes. Zultan or Zultan? God, some wacky shit. Star Wars wishes they could come up with something. Mm. Yeah, George Lucas is like, ah, oh, I overlooked him. I should have hired him. This intergalactic. <laughs> so, great documentary. We hope everyone... Yeah, everyone uh, go and see it. You know, no, check uh, it out. See it, if not for you want to make fun of your friends who are Scientologists, or just for the fact that uh, it's quite clear that they got the goods on Tom Cruise and John Travolta. There's only one person in my life that, that I know of in, in my you know peripheral vision, or even just someone who I've spoken with uh, who I know has an interest in Scientology. I don't know any. I mean, do you guys know anyone who? Uh, I do. Do you? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to read Dianetics. I think I'm going to read that next. I want your review of it. Yeah, well, it was, sure. I was thinking either Mind Kampf or Dianetics, and I feel like I couldn't really read Mind Kampf like you know in the park or something like that without getting <laughs> getting stares. So. <laughs> oh shit, that's funny. <laughs> also, this week we had another uh, legendary singer pass away, uh, Benny King who I believe was a member of the Drifters in the late 50s to early 60s. I have no idea. Drifters or Coasters. I think it was the Drifters. I apologize. Uh, Passed away. Was 76 years old. Was a huge influence on all the modern rock and roll stars, um, especially John Lennon, who recorded a whole album of uh, his favorite rock and roll covers from the 50s. And this is one of my favorite songs of all time. It's called Stand By Me. It inspired John Lennon. It inspired Stephen King. Yeah. Who else's his favorite song, Aaron? Um, I think George Carlin cited this as one of his favorite songs. Well, that's good in my book. Yeah. If Carlin said it was okay. I love the song. Beautiful song. I've loved it since I was a little kid. And we're going to close with Stand By Me. And we hope you guys have a great week. Thank you for listening. Uh, another exciting episode of Jackman Radio. Thank you, Aaron. Yep. Happy May, everybody. Time to go clear. Be well and go clear. When the night
Thank you. 